Short disclaimer, this podcast is in no way affiliated with the Stars production or Diana Gabaldone. All views expressed are solely our own. Welcome to the Outlander Podcast, where the men are kilted, the women are winsome, and the whiskey is neat. Welcome to episode 81 of the Outlander Podcast. I'm Ginger. And I'm Summer. And we are in love with all things Outlander. Announcements this week. We got several new shots from the Outlander Instagram account. Can I just say it looks like that the star's promotional stuff seems to be awake again? As far as getting ready and jam-packed? I mean, you can. Okay, I just said it. Go ahead. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Clearly you can. You just did. Okay. Uh, The first shot is, and I quote, a look back at the making of the original Outlander art, which is kind of funny. Instagram. Yeah, that's what I said. The Outlander Instagram account. It's kind of funny because, you know, the shot that you see is of Katrina looking back and then Sam's in the background and then you just see Tobias's hand. But when you when you see the behind the scenes shot of what it took to get a picture with Tobias's hand reaching in, he's just you can see the camera guys like right practically like on top of Tobias Menzies and to get the shot. He's full on in costume. He's got the hat. Even, even there's the hat. no part of his face in no. it. And but he's you got know, the hat on. Maybe Dude, he needs the hat like to feel it. the character to in his feel hand. Frank. Maybe to get the full oh. character of Frank in his hand. <laughs> I don't care. It on. looks amazing. I would have loved to have been there. That and from this angle, she has got a sassy pose. I was about to say, did not look that sassy. No, she didn't. From the in the but actual she looks artwork. very modely, super sassy, super modely. <gasps> Wait, sassy like a sassenack? That, yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, we also got one more behind the scenes shot of Claire in her in her fur trimmed rig out, rig out. Well, her cape, her like coat, her fur trimmed coat. The coat that I still think is not appropriate for traveling on the road. On the road, it's just going like to it's just going to get so dirty. In the Highlands, yeah, so dirty. We also got new key art for the second half of the season, still feeding off kind of the same feel of the artwork from the first half of the season. Uh, we still have Jamie and Claire turning around and looking back at the camera with a hand reaching toward them, but this time. Claire isn't reaching back toward Frank. She has a knife in her hand. And it's not Frank. And it's not Frank. It's definitely <laughs> it's definitely Blackjack Randall reaching for her this time. And the background, the color is different. You know, they probably use filters, yeah. but or not. Even if they didn't, even if this is all Scotland, it is night and day. It's much less it's, both times it's much less daydreamy than yes. the first one. The first one had sort of a blue hue. Right, and almost oh, almost right. a mythical feel to it yes. where it was, you know. It was be- it was just dreamy. Like beautiful Bonnie Scotland. Yeah. Very dreamy. And this one is a little more, you gritty. know, gritty and more of an of a statement on the the facts of what's going on in the second half of the season. And then the other key art that was released was which I thought was fun. Which was basically looking at the key art from the other direction. So you can see what she's pointing her. And we knew from the hand and the, the cuff that you could see that it was going to be Blackjack Randall. But um, until they did the, the camera turnaround and you see Blackjack Randall's half of it. So And you see Claire's hand this time. So it's really exciting. I'm getting more and more excited again about the second half of the season starting. And somebody was saying, we were tweeting with um, Great Scott Blog on Twitter mm-hmm. last week, and she was like, 11 weeks until, you know, we take our trip. And I was like, oh, my gosh, is it really 11 weeks? Oh, my gosh, stop it. We and then, not going to do and then inside, And inside of that 11 weeks, we still have eight more episodes of... Including one episode, which is the last episode when we will be in Scotland. That's going to be an interesting thing. Oh, but goodness. we're making plans, so... Making plans. Uh, as everyone heard, the Amazon Prime UK did pick up Outlander, so they will be uh, featuring it in the UK, and they released their first trailer uh, this week, and the Prime subscribers, it will be available the first eight, they will be able to watch back-to-back starting March 26, 2015, and then new episodes will air one day after the US premiere, beginning Sunday, April 5th, so. So it's kind of neat to see that, even though we've already seen the episodes, it's stunning to watch the UK Amazon Prime trailer because it has the logo on it and it has the the if there's any announcer I forget and some of the stuff we've seen there's been like a, a narrator or announcer but it has but a British oh it's just so British <laughs> I can't wait no it's exciting watching them ramp up oh my goodness for the for the premiere there and I'm sure everyone knows this but the Outlander Blu-ray edition was out released this week I know that Ginger went and 
bought two copies. One she bought well, ahead no. of time. She pre-ordered Ginger on Ginger pre-ordered Amazon. like a good girl. And then she was happened to be at Target and saw no, that they I didn't, had, there oh, was no happen. I heard about it. We were out doing errands, and the person I was with I was kind enough to drive me to Target. While we were out, or just before we left for the evening, I had heard, and I think it was y'all on Twitter's fault, we heard around, or somewhere in the Outlanderverse, I heard that this whole, or maybe it was already announced, and I totally forgot and thought, oh, you know, I don't care what else is available. I already ordered it. I'm good, right? I'm not going to go running around doing this. But then I heard clearly she wasn't. There was a special. (laughs) Clearly, apparently not. (laughs) So there was a special that if you bought the special edition, or the special edition, if you bought it at Target, which was the same exact Blu-ray, same special features, etc. But it came with some kind of stationery and sticker or something like that. She hasn't opened it yet. And oh no, it's still. I haven't. This has been a week. So we can't tell you anything about the stationery because she won't open the box. But in order to get the deal or whatever, I mean, you could buy the Blu-ray by itself. But if you bought the Blu-ray and got the series tie-in, TV tie-in edition of the book, Outlander, you save 15% overall, and it basically comes out... Because I bought it on Amazon, so I know how much I spent. But it basically came out to be like $1 or $2... Cheaper. Cheaper. Like one fifty cheaper. cheaper to get the two together at Target than to purchase it, just the Blu-ray, for Amazon. So... Thankfully, since she didn't have one, which I totally understand, Summer purchased my Amazon Blu-ray for me. I did, and, it was and what I did with it is that I decided... She trashed it. No, that's not what happened. <laughs> um, because I still have everything saved in my DVR, I don't need it right now. So I took it to work, and I it's my loaner copy at work, so I'm all of my, uh, my coworkers who want to maybe get a little more of a glimpse into who I am as a person, I'm lending it to oh, them. Well, that's a little bit scary. I wouldn't... <laughs> Don't ever put that kind of thing on it. I'm lending it to them. If, if you want to know what kind of person I am, watch this show. No, oh, no, here's what, something I'm interested like. in. This okay. is something I'm interested in, and if and if you are interested, if you get this, you'll get me. I don't think you're that interested in it. I thought you were going to say I'm not that interesting. <laughs> oh, that's a different conversation. I would never say that on the on the podcast. The podcast. That's, <laughs> that's private. Oh, okay. This week marked the 27 year anniversary of the date. That Diana Gabaldon started writing Outlander. That's pretty crazy. Right? So That's she started writing awesome. it March 6th, 1988. So we were two and four. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, we were nowhere near that age. We were a lot older than that. I wouldn't say a lot. Well, enough. I'm not going to give away that bits, but no. we were not two and four. No, we were not two and four. <laughs> Though there was that gap in, in our ages. Yes. And we'll let you guess who was who. <laughs> <laughs> she just wagged a finger at me. I'm not allowed to say. Anyway, that was our announcements for the week. So this week we have, actually for the next few weeks, but this week we have a very special episode. A very awesome guest, someone with Outlander credentials. Legit, not just like she was involved with the filming, but also legit Scottish, legit Gaelic speaker, legit musician, singer, all that stuff. Katie McKenzie joins us. She was in. She was one of the singers of the, the Walking Woolwalkers. Song, Walkers in episode 105, correct? Yes. Rent. And we chatted with her and finally are so happy to be able to share that. Hi, Hello. Katie. Hi there. Hi, how are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Ah, very well. So nice to hear your voice. Yeah, you too. <laughs> Nice to put a, a voice to all the um, Twitter emails. <laughs> Absolutely. How, how are you doing? I'm good, thanks. I'm good. I've had a busy weekend this weekend, so I'm just just back to Glasgow not long ago. So, yeah, I'm, uh, I've had a tiring weekend, but it's been a good weekend. Well, tell us, if you don't mind, tell us a little bit about your weekend, because we, when we set up the time, you had mentioned that you would be gone for part of the weekend, and you wanted to make sure that we all wanted to make sure that we could could, um, could speak, yep. and so that's why we rearranged this time. So what, what were you doing this weekend? Uh, this weekend, I was playing um, in a place called Geobeg, um, which is just near Torridon on the west coast of Scotland. Um, so it's about five hours north of Glasgow, and I was playing with my my mum, Fiona McKenzie, um, we were uh, taking part in the Torridon Land, Sea and Mountain Festival and we were doing a, a night of 
song and music all related to the sea and to the hills. Um, and we were performing in, in a restaurant and they were serving a, a mountain and sea-themed menu whilst we were playing. So it was a great night. It was a late night, though, um, and it was a long drive um, along some uh, small, windy roads. So I'm definitely glad to be back down the road again. But it was a great night. It was a packed evening. Couldn't get any more bodies into the into the restaurant, which was great. <laughs> so it was, it was good fun, though, really good fun. Now, I, I can guesstimate what a sea-themed menu would be, <laughs> yeah. but what would they include in a mountain-themed menu? Um, well, it was venison, so I guess the deer uh, roam about mountains, so I guess that was their, their <laughs> thinking there. <laughs> Sorry, you'll have to excuse um, my, my kitten has decided um, now to, to start going absolutely crazy and jumping about, so if you hear any uh, loud thumping noises, that's, that's my cat. <laughs> it's okay. Is it a he or a she? It's a she. What's her name? Jerry. Jerry. Okay. Jerry just wants to be part of this, you know. She she definitely <laughs> does. She's a bit of a diva, so oh. <laughs> time to make her mark, I think. It's pretty standard for cats. Yes. Oh, yeah. They're the center of their universe. Absolutely. Absolutely. They just uh, they come and speak to you when they want fed, and that's probably about it. Absolutely. <laughs> you mentioned Fiona as your mother. Yes. We did not know this. Oh, you did keep <laughs> secrets so well. <laughs> yes, she is. Oh, my gosh. That's like rock my world. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Yeah. My guess would be that however the two of you uh, became involved with working on Outlander, that was uh, kind of a, I wouldn't say package deal, but I can definitely see now why both of you would be involved because you, you both have the talent, have the knowledge, have the language, and something that they were looking for. Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, it was, it was great that we were, that we were both able, able to do it. It was <laughs> fun to, to have somebody there that, that you knew. <laughs> oh, I couldn't imagine. That would be amazing. That would be so fun to be there. First of all, to be there is amazing in and of itself. But then to have someone that you're so close to, to share it with, that would be yeah so much so much fun. Absolutely. And it meant that we uh, could practice some of the songs together as well. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, so now getting a little bit back in order. Yeah. How, uh, because it, it does have people will, I think, see the, the direction we're going. How did you come to speak Gaelic? What is your language background? Um, well, I'm from um, a town called Dingwall, which is in Rosshire in Scotland. So it's in, in, in the north of Scotland, um, in the Highlands. And when I went to school, when I first started um, there, wasn't um, a, a Gaelic unit in, in my primary school until I was um, in my second year of primary school, which would have meant um, that I did all of my school training through the medium of Gaelic first rather than English. But unfortunately, mm -hmm. I started school before I was introduced. Um, but my mum and dad uh, put me in a Gaelic playgroup before I started school. And I was always involved um, really through music first. And my mum went to, started going to the local Gaelic choir. And that kind of just, suppose it just all started from there really. Um, I started going to music classes um, at a very young age and they were all, um, they were all Gaelic music classes. So I kind of just I was I was just um, surrounded by it from about the age of eight I would say, um, and both at, my younger brothers uh, they both studied Gaelic from the age of four and five. They didn't learn how to read or write English at school until they were about nine. Um, so they're both completely fluent. They were lucky enough to to go through um, all school. Speaking, speaking Gaelic and one of my brothers is actually a, a Gaelic teacher at a high school in Aberdeen now and I just carried on throughout um, when I went to uni I studied at the Royal Conservatoire of Scotland in 
Glasgow. Um, I did the Scottish music course there and I also took Gaelic classes and my principal study was Gaelic song. So yeah, that's pretty much how I kind of got involved in in, in Gaelic. Uh, people kind of always just assume that my parents were um, native speakers, but no, not at all. My mum went to college, I think, in 1996 or something, and started learning then. So she's she's been a learner, but she's she's completely fluent now, and her job is kind of just completely immersed in in Gaelic and song now. This leads pretty perfectly into our next question, <laughs> and that is a little bit about your music background. So you actually did kind of mention uh, following your mother's footsteps as as far as participating in the, the Gaelic choir and, and learning music through the medium of Gaelic whenever you were learning it. Yep. Um, I first started playing the fiddle when I was in primary school. And I start, that's when I started attending um, music groups outside of school. And then when I was about 10 or 11, I went to a music weekend. And I was just meant to be doing fiddle and singing. But there was um, a harp sitting in the corner of the, the classroom. And I decided that I wanted to, to have a shot of that. Um, I remember my mum at the time saying to me, "Right, you can play it this weekend, but you you can't you can't take it home with you. We can't buy you a harp. It's far too expensive. You'll just have to do it for this weekend." But of course, I fell totally in love with it and was very enthusiastic about it and determined that I was going to to play the harp. So my parents had to give in. <laughs> they uh, sent me to to heart lessons. I was lucky enough that there um, was a group. There's an organisation um, called Face Roth, which music festival and teaching organisation, and they provided heart classes in my hometown. So uh, I was able to go every week um, to to heart classes. And then I just kept going all throughout my teenage years at school and then decided when it came to um, applying for unis that um, I was going to do music because I couldn't really do anything else. <laughs> so music was the way I was going to go. And um, so I went to the Royal Conservatoire. That was the Royal Scottish Academy of Music and Drama when I was there. And I spent four years there um, learning from some of the world's best um, folk musicians and Gaelic and Scots singers and I got to I've pretty much been able to go all around the world playing and I've had some fantastic opportunities done some things that I would have never have been able to do if it wasn't for for my music and Outlander being one of those one of those great things that I've been able to to be a part of because of because of Gaelic music. Now, I'm not surprised your parents were reluctant to buy you a harp. Those things are expensive. Yes, they are. Even the little tiny ones. <laughs> yeah, they're not the cheapest of instruments. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I think they were they were dreading that slightly. But um, I, I promised that I would practice every day and I would make it worth their while. And I'm, I'm, I'm sure that they're, they're quite glad that they, that they gave in eventually. <laughs> you mentioned the fiddle and the harp and, of course, that you sing. Are there any other instruments that you have learned or kind of fiddle around with, you know, excuse the pun, but that you like or that you want to learn? Um, oh, do you know what? I wish I could play every single instrument. Um, that would be lovely. I've always wanted to to play piano um, a, a wee bit, a wee bit better. Um, I can kind of tinkle around because really it's just the same as the harp, really, just apart from uh, the obvious. Uh, differences um, and I, I actually have a ukulele as well um, which I bought when I was traveling in Australia a couple of years ago I went away for I was away for about 13 months so I was without my heart for all this time and I was I was 
kind of getting instrument withdrawal symptoms. Mm. So I decided that a ukulele would be the easiest thing to buy and carry around with me. So I bought one when I was away and uh, I learned the kind of basics. Um, but I've not done much of it since I've, I've been back back here. I need to figure out whether um, it'll it'll go well with, with some Gaelic songs. I'm trying to imagine <laughs> that ukulele feel with a, a Gaelic song. Now, it would totally work if you were plucking. Yeah. Definitely. For some reason, when you start strumming a, a ukulele, it always takes you right back to the island. Yeah. Definitely, but we could we could uh, we could have have a play around with it and do something different for with it for for a Gaelic song. It's always nice to to be a wee bit different, I think. We don't know when, but Summer and I definitely we want to be able to um, get back to Scotland for a visit, of course. Yeah. And um, if we go and Summer brings her ukulele, would you two like to play together? And we could maybe <laughs> sing yeah. sing it up. I I would love that. That would be <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thank goodness you said yes, because otherwise I'd have to delete that if you said no. <laughs> no, absolutely. That oh, have a wee uh, um, ukulele duo going. <laughs> if it's a duel, I'm going to lose. <laughs> or duo. Duo. Uh, you were into Gaelic. You studied music in general, and then you kind of specialized when you went to uni. You specialized in voice. Yes. And um, I actually went to uni as well and studied uh, classical music and studied voice as my instrument. Okay. Now, since you were on the Scottish course, mm-hmm. Scottish music course, did you have kind of a dual role? Did you have to learn a lot about, of course, Western music history as well as uh, traditional Scottish music or specifically Scottish music? Uh, the course that I was doing was specifically Scottish music. So okay. um, we, we learned um, about the background to certain instruments. We, kind of, we had courses in Scottish history. Um, mm-hmm. As well, which was really interesting because we kind of we delved into into things that um, we didn't look at when when we were in, just in school, um, and we we got to look at various different um, teaching techniques as well because that was a big part of of my course as well. I do quite a lot of teaching, so that um, was part of it. And then we also had um, theory music CD classes oh, as yeah. well, which was not my favourite, I have to admit. <laughs> not my favourite at all. Um, and then we had our, obviously our, um, well I had my voice lessons and harp lessons and we would have um, group work uh, classes as well, which would see everybody in my year coming together and working on material for then going out on tour at the end of the year, which was great fun. Um, so there was, I think there were 16 of us in in my year, so 16 of us in a band, out and about, touring all over the place, uh, which was great. So we toured around Scotland and um, went to Denmark and Germany, and that was a, a lot of fun as well. So it was great, and it was great my my friends on on my course were all fantastic musicians and are all doing incredibly well um in their in their music careers now so it's, it's great it was a great four years i learned learned a lot and i was very lucky that um i had some of the the best gaelic singers um as my as my teachers there which was fantastic so when you, when you were learning the fiddle or the harp when you were younger, did you have kind of like a a, 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 a theory book? For example, when children learn uh, learn piano, they'll have the workbook where you might do some exercises and learn very very fundamental the fu- some of the fundamentals of uh, music theory, and then you'll have your book with the songs that you learn. Very simple starting out. Did you have any sort of, um, were you learning theory along the way as you learned your early instruments? And the reason I ask is I'm curious if the theory that you learned or you worked on in uni, it obviously, it's still a Western, it's Western music, it's Western music theory, but did you find any kind of differences? Uh, No, not really. Um, There there are slight differences when you come to obviously the likes of pipe music mm-hmm. and there's there's a um a type of 
of music called Counteroch, which is um, it's to do with pipes and singing. Um, so that's obviously completely um, unique to to Scottish music, but theory in general is, is exactly the same. I remember when I first I I used to um, have violin lessons when I was um, at school, and I was absolutely petrified of my violin teacher. She was a scariest woman I've ever met in my life and um, she used to give me awful rows if I if my my wrist slipped or I was slightly out of tune or if I wasn't holding my my bow correctly and I hated it at the time and I would just look forward to going to my fiddle lessons rather than my my classical violin um, but that was it those classes were, were very good for me as well because it kind of disciplined me um, as well into kind of learning how to read music because um, folk music in general is, is often just about uh, learning by ear. Um, so not all um, folk musicians might read music, but because I was I was doing classical training from a young age as well. That's, I, I learned how to to read music, which is was obviously a great help when I went went to uni. Continuing with your music is kind of culminated, obviously, with your work on. I think culminated. It's had a nice climax, a nice uh, bright point. Most recently, with your work on your involvement with Outlander, yeah. but before that, you had was it your first album? It was my debut album, The Lead Artist. I'd done a lot of recording um, on various different albums before, but this was my, my first proper album. And could you, the, the subtitle, if I'm not mistaken, is The Lassie's Reply. Is it pure or poor? Pure. Pure, okay. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about the development of this album, your choices of music. Obviously a lot of influence from Burns yeah. and Gaelic. So you have the, the Scots and the, and the Gaelic. Tell us about the, the, your choices and the development of this album. Um, well, it was actually, we were, myself and the, my friend who's, who's on the album with me, Shona Donaldson, uh, who I was at uni with, um, we were approached by the the record label uh, McDoug um, Music to to work on this project um, surrounding Robert Burns. There they hadn't there wasn't an album out there um, that was Burns music in Scots and Gaelic together. Never been done before and. Burns music has always been um, something I've always enjoyed. Um, Burns songs, I love his songs. Um, and I was just really excited that I was going to be able to, to work on on this project um, with Shona. Uh, Shona was one of my best friends. Um, she's a fantastic Scots singer from Aberdeenshire. And we both kind of jumped at this chance to, to work on such a unique project and we knew um, some of the musicians who were going to be involved and just the chance to, to work with, with them and the producers was, was a great opportunity and <clears throat> the songs that we, we decided on uh, in the end, there's a mix of very well known uh, Burns songs, there's Auld Lang Syne and A Fond Kiss but then there's the slightly lesser known um, Burns songs as well which we did in in Gaelic and in Scots so there's the Highland Widow's Lament which Shona actually sings on on the album but they're just they're maybe songs that um they're not heard as as often so to get a chance to do them in Scots and in Gaelic was was great fun and it was great fun uh, recording the album we went away for for a couple of weekends and just kind of got our heads down and immersed, immersed ourselves in, um, in recording for, for a few weekends. So it was, it was a great project to be involved in. I was very proud, proud of it. Um, so that was a few years ago, 2009, I think it was. Yes, oh, 2009. Yeah, a few years ago. Do you have any uh, hankering to do another one? Yes, absolutely. It's, uh, it's in the pipeline. I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm hoping that next year 
um, I'll be able to to get back into the studio and and get an album of of songs together, songs that I just love singing and um, I really want to kind of do something a wee bit different um, and see what happens. So watch this space. <laughs> Absolutely. So before we go on too much, we uh, you we asked you to select a song and then we selected one. Um, we're going to share them in this episode. Give us a little intro for both. So the first one that you selected was A Fun Kiss. Yes. Could you tell us the correct Gaelic pronunciation and then tell us a little bit about the song? Yep, so Aphonkis in Gaelic, it's Grai. And this is one of Robert Burns' most popular songs. Um, it's one of those songs that they, I think you can be in, in any country in the world and um, people will, will recognise this song. And it's just, it's a beautiful love song. Um, and it talks about Nancy, who was uh, Robert Burns' uh, great love. So, yeah, so, Un Fokrai. Un Fokrai Sanchez.
You know, that is actually one of my favorite burns as well. I think my sentimental favorite, of course, is My Love is Like a Red, Red Rose. But that's just, I mean, that's pretty easy. That's that's just like butter. It's just so beautiful that. Yeah. So, but other than that, I fun kissed, uh, a fun kiss. Yeah. Another gorgeous, gorgeous piece and very well done. Thank you so much. No problem. Thank you. And the other one that the one that we selected was track five, and that and I hope I'm saying the Scots or English correctly, and that is I walk in O. Yes, that's it. Half, okay, half Namulushk. This is another one of my favorite ones, actually. Oh, good. Oh, good. So tell us about this one. Is it? Are my eyes lying to me? Does it have to do with a walking song? Uh, no, it's not um, walking as in the walking songs that we we did in um, Outlander, for example. Um, it's just uh, your norm- normal walking style. Oh, <laughs> so there's no P involved in this one. <laughs> We're safe. We're safe. Oh, thank goodness. Safe, a safe interview. Whew. Yeah. Okay, good. It literally is a walking, a, a song about just walking. Uh, well, it's... I mean, it's, it's another, well, I suppose you could maybe class this as a an almost lullaby-type song, but again, it's a love song, and I'm just trying to think, so, because in, in English, because I sing this one in, in Gaelic, of course, so the translation of the the first, well, the verse of the kind of chorusy type one is just, I walk and oh, walk and I and weary, uh, sleep I can get name for thinking oh my dearie so it's just somebody's their their love is is on their on their mind completely and they they can't sleep for for thinking of of this person Namu Namu 
And now to the question, of course, we and probably many listeners want to hear you <laughs> to speak about, and that is, in general, it's not one kind of a one single question, it's just kind of a topic. What exactly was your work on Outlander? We know that you specifically it had involvement with episode 105 called Rent, mm-hmm. where they there was an entire, I guess, large scene or set of smaller scenes that had to do with wool walking. So could you tell us how you became involved with Outlander? Do you know what? I was actually thinking about this today, and I I actually don't know how it all came about. It was all very strange. <laughs> well, that's perfect. <laughs> it was very strange. Um, we received a, a phone call from one of the producers saying, would we be available on this date to go to Newton Moor, which is a Highland village uh, not far from, from my hometown, to go along and sing um, some Gaelic walking songs as part of a TV series. And that was all we were told to begin with. We said, yes, of course, um, absolutely not a problem at all. Um, so we had gone along and they'd kind of, uh, we'd had a few more phone calls and we were trying to figure out what on earth this TV series was, was what was going on in Newton Moore. And we'd kind of come to the conclusion that we thought it might be Outlander. And then when they said, oh, yeah, you have to come in for some costume fittings. And we're thinking, oh, what, kind of <laughs> what kind of costumes are they going to have us in? So, yeah, it was all very exciting. They um, they asked us to, to um, look at a couple of songs in particular. And... Um, they obviously had got in touch because they knew that we were both both Gaelic singers from from the area, and we've both been involved in in walking before. So we went along and we had our costume fittings and our wig fittings, which was great fun. And we had we met some of the other women who were taking part in in the walking, who hadn't done anything like this before. Some of them um, had never sung Gaelic before. Uh, they'd never sung Gaelic before. So we had an afternoon where we um, just worked on the songs and made sure everybody kind of ha- had the gist of what was going on and also to learn how to do the walking because it's it's a very, um, it's quite a difficult process. Just even... Um, I'm sure to a lot of people it just looks like you're banging um, a piece of tweed on uh, a table, but it's very important that um, everybody did it at the same time and was moving in the same direction because if people, when when they were doing the original walking processes, if people were out of time with each other or pulling the tweed, it would ruin and holes would appear and of course the tweed would be ruined and obviously they didn't they couldn't um afford to to waste pieces of tweed like that so having songs to help keep the rhythm was a crucial part of the process and also just to stop them from getting bored because it was a long very long process and walking would go go on for hours and hours and hours and it was very hard work because Tweed is heavy enough as it is when it's dry, but when it's wet, it's even heavier. So these women had a good strong arms on them, that's for sure. So yeah, we spent some time working on on the walking and then spent a day, a very long, cold day in March, I think it was now, um, in Newton Moore um, recording, filming these these scenes with Katrina and with um, some of the other members of, of the Outlander cast, um, which was great fun, hard work, and it was absolutely freezing cold being outside from six in the morning till about six at night. So it was a long day, but great fun. And I haven't actually seen it yet. I've not seen any of Outlander yet. Um, so I, I can't wait to, to see what what happened um, with the because we we filmed a, a few scenes so I don't know if they were all in episode 5 or if there is still some scenes to come I'm not sure 
I don't want to say too much in case they're not in it. I don't want to No, I, I think you said enough. We have seen 105, and definitely there's wool walking and singing in that. But um, absolutely, because you don't know what non-singing shots may be put elsewhere. So I think that's a, that, that's a very good idea. But we have seen 105, and it is done with such respect. Number one, it's very entertaining. But it's done, it is done with such respect and grace and... It, it doesn't, except for the fact that we, we don't understand the Gaelic, obviously, and the fact that we had never seen or heard a walking song, let alone a uh, walking being performed. So that was brand spanking new to us. And so it was done with such clarity and, I think, respect. I think you'll really enjoy it. Great. Well, see, that was one of the things that we were all quite keen to make sure that it was done properly and done as as true to it would have been done as possible um and the the crew and all the producers were very very keen to make sure that they had the right idea about it and that it was being as true as as possible obviously it's it's not exactly how how they uh, would have done it but um, I'm, I'm glad it's it's come across like that, and it's great, obviously, to to introduce people to to these traditions as well, because it's a, a very important um, part of of the Gaelic tradition and culture. So it's it's great that it's um, educating people as well. Could you tell us the names of the song? There was more than there were more than one song, correct? Yes, there were. And you know what? I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so once you're able to watch, and your memory is jogged, yes. <laughs> send us an email. <laughs> I will because you know, because we would love to actually be able to you know, and hopefully if Bear. I know it's not just we know it's not just Bear McCreary, but hopefully when the, uh, the uh-huh. Outlander soundtrack comes out, at least one of those will be included because that was it's too much of an opportunity to miss. Absolutely, I do you know what I will probably remember as soon as I stop speaking speaking <laughs> to you. Um, so I will <laughs> as soon as we hang up, you're gonna find you're gonna remember. <laughs> I was hoping you weren't gonna ask that. I can't. Oh no, it's okay. We can take that out too, but we won't. <laughs> know is what was in the bucket <laughs> oh well that would be telling, <laughs> telling. but it's safe to say it wasn't pee <laughs> oh thank god <laughs> no we, we were lucky warm. <laughs> sorry what was that it was definitely warm whatever it was it was warm but that, i think we were all quite glad of it it, it being warm <laughs> kind of Oh, yeah. Although, just just as well it wasn't pee, because it did splash us in the face, (laughs) thrown down the the table, and we couldn't react to to it being splashed in our faces. And then the one woman, like, squeegees all the water, all of the the would-be pee off the table, and it was just, like, a river of it. I was like, oh, God. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) No, no pee. No pee in 21st. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, good. You pretty much explained your your job, your work with Outlander. Do you know of is this type of thing something you'd be interested to do again? Absolutely. I've I've always wanted to to do something like Outlander before. I've I mean I've I've done a lot of TV shows, but music music shows before. Mm-hmm. I've I've done a lot of um, TV recording in in that in that aspect but this kind of proper tv series um it's definitely something that i would love to be involved in and something there i can i can play um or can sing and so hopefully something else will will come up whether that is more outlander i don't know or whether it's something something else come along we'll just have to have to wait and see (laughs) absolutely and 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 we look forward to that as well so have you read the books at all they, I've actually, um, I've ordered them from, from Amazon, so they are on their way to me, um, because I've just been so, since, since being involved in it, um, I've just heard so much about it, it's been kind of all over the internet, and all over the news, and everybody's talking about it, so yeah, it's, um, they're, they're on my, on my to, to read list. You said you ordered them, how many did you order? Eight. It is a. You ordered all eight. Yes. Oh, <laughs> go as well. Save on shipping. Go, Katie. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. You're, I, I like that. A lot of people, and understandably so, will say, you know, I ordered the first one, or I ordered the first two. Yeah. But 
Besides the fact that we are, of course, Outlander evangelists, <laughs> it's really, we think, a good idea. Okay, first of all, you're lucky that you have all eight. When we started, and we are lucky that we started when we did, and we didn't even have, well, I guess half that. So when I started, I, still, I had three more to go. And then, of course, at the end of number four, you have to wait until the next one's out. Yep. And summer started, I think, when there were three out or something. Started with Drums of Autumn. Oh, so you had four. Okay. So the cool thing is that you have eight. Every time you get to the end of one, however long it takes you, the other one's right there. Yeah. Um, once you given your schedule, depending on how long it takes you to get through them, because they're not the smallest book. No. <laughs> once you finish number eight, then you'll be in our shoes as far as waiting. Yeah. But you've got a long, magnificent, awesome journey yeah. in front of you. I'm I'm looking forward to it. I'm I'm gonna have to, to make as set aside as much time as possible when yeah. they arrive. <laughs> I don't think I'll be going out much. I probably won't have much of a <laughs> Well it's it's a good uh winter activity. Stay inside, be warm and uh, and read a book. Read a Gabaldon book. Yes, definitely. Read about it. <laughs> That's not really a hard task, I suppose. And yeah. also, I mean, okay, your last name is Mackenzie, so exactly. you you kind of have to read the book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it would make me very sad <laughs> if you didn't. On your, actually, on your Twitter page as well, in a few places I've read, we, we know you're a musician, yeah. a singer, a, an instrumentalist, and a speaker of Gaelic, but you also mentioned that you do PR consulting work. Yes. Yeah. Um, I'm a PR and marketing consultant in my other life um, <laughs> and I currently work with the National Theatre of Scotland uh, oh. doing PR and marketing for them so I've been working with them since um, April I think it is now um, was working on that with them on, on a couple of projects um, that happened during the the summer because obviously this summer was um, a huge huge year for for Glasgow um, or in in Scotland but Glasgow in particular obviously with the the Commonwealth Games so we were doing a couple of projects uh, theatre projects in Glasgow over the summer so I was helping doing the the communications for these projects and specifically working with international uh, youth theatre groups so it's great it's um it's a career that works very well with, with music um, and when I was a student I obviously couldn't afford to pay somebody to do the PR marketing for my own gigs so I just had to do it myself. I kind of realised that I was actually quite good at it and I like writing um, so it just goes hand in hand. When I, I left uni I went to um, Stirling University and did a master's in public relations and that's how my my PR career took off. So it's it's really interesting. I've I've done a lot of interesting work, really interesting clients over over the years. Totally different to, to music. I found myself working on renewable energy events for farmers um, at some times, which uh, couldn't be more different to my to my music life um, if you could uh, get any further further um, apart then that would be that but no I, I, I really enjoy it and it allows me to, to do my music um, at the same time which is great. Because of your interest in uh, theatre or interest in the arts and your work your PR work with the you said the National Theatre? Yeah National Theatre Okay Scotland. National Theatre Scotland have you been able to work with National Theatre Scotland and any groups or any musicians, whichever they may be, uh, clients to that are involved with the Fringe? Um, well, we, as part of the, the Edinburgh Festival this year, there was a new, there was a trilogy of, of plays, the James plays, about um, James the first, the second, and the third of Scotland, um, that was produced by the National Theatre of Scotland, and that was on the world premiere of those plays took place during the, the festival this year and they're now performing um, in London now and a couple of weeks ago on the, the eve of the, the referendum on for Scotland's independence um, I took part in the National Theatre Scotland's production called Blabbermouth which was a 12 hour event of music, song uh, storytelling, 
poetry. Um, it was all celebrating Scotland's culture. So 12 hours straight of uh, musicians and poets and journalists uh, taking to the stage and uh, performing their favourite piece of of Scottish Scottish culture, really. So I was uh, very honoured to, to be asked to, to take part in that and sing one of my favourite Scottish Scottish songs, which I, I actually sang Avon Kiss. Um, so that, um, that took place in, in Edinburgh on the 17th of September. So yeah, that was that was a um, great, great event to be, to be part of. National Theatre Scotland puts on some fabulous productions. Um, so it was, I was very lucky to be, to be asked to, to be involved in um, a music sense rather than just doing my, my day job with them. So you've hinted at a further, a future album in the pipeline. Mm-hmm. What are some of your other upcoming projects that you'd like to share with us and listeners? Um, I've got some various teaching projects coming up, which um, I'm very excited about. Um, I, I love love teaching music uh, to all ages. It's great fun, and um, again, I'm, I'm very lucky to, to be able to, to to do it as as part of as part of my career so um very much looking forward to that um and we've got some a few bits and pieces that um still not 100% confirmed but um I'm sure I will be tweeting about them um once I'm able to talk about them so <laughs> Don't want to give the game away too much. Of course yeah. not. Of course you have to keep keep your cards close to your heart because they, they will be you will be able to show them out show them to everyone soon enough. Yes, exactly. Yeah, that's it. So as we wind down here, please let listeners know how they can get in touch with you. Uh, well, I have, as I say, I have a, a Twitter account which is katiemac39, and always happy to to get lovely tweets um, from people. So you can get in touch with me on Twitter. I also have a Facebook uh, music page, which is just Katie McKenzie Music. And then I have my website, which you can contact me through as well. And that's katiemckenzie.co.uk. Perfect. We'd like to say thank you so much, Katie McKenzie of the two Outlander McKenzie. <laughs> um, that, it just, that, just, that just makes me laugh in such a happy way. I, I, I don't know why I didn't think about it, but I did recognize you had the same last name, but I didn't go further than that. <laughs> There are so many Mackenzies that yes. like, exactly, in the United States. Yeah, so... Exactly, which is probably why I didn't think to connect the two. <laughs> but the fact that you're both singers, you're both, you know, speak Gaelic, you're both involved with Alanor, like, those things should have at least maybe had me guessing. But I was clueless. So you, as I said, you guys kept that secret very well. <laughs> so thank you, Katie, so much for spending some of your very busy time with us, very valuable time. We really had a, a great time speaking with you. And we hope that we might have the opportunity in the future to invite you back again. Absolutely. No, I'd, I'd be, be delighted. It's been lovely speaking to you. Okay, well, thank you so much. Have a great evening. We know it's getting late over there. And um, have a great night and a great week ahead. You too. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks so much. Bye. Bye-bye. Special thank you to Katie McKenzie for joining us. That is this week's episode. Please join us back next week when we hope to have perhaps another special interview for you. Thank you, as always, so much for listening. We look forward to our next episode. Visit our website at www.outlanderpod.com. Follow us on Twitter at OutlanderPod. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash OutlanderPod. Or email us at OutlanderPod at gmail.com. I dreamt